Knowledge by itself is not power. It holds the potential for power if we use it as a guide for action. Edward D. Griffith. Beware ahead of the snake. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for entering the tiger's den. Hello, good evening. It is 8 p.m. on 8-23-23. Welcome to the Tiger's Den. I am your guest hostess with the mostess, occult priestess, OP for short. Joining us this evening is the very talented talker, Gardner Goldsmith. And you will know him from Liberty Conspiracy Live. But before I bring on our friend, Guard, I'd like to play a clip of him I grabbed a few weeks ago when he was being particularly electric. So let's watch a clip of Guard Goldsmith. Because it's our feel-good satanic charity edition of The Flash. What else do you want to get in postmodern America? <laughs> yeah, postmodern Western civilization, pretty much. I'm reading over our agenda for the, for the night, everybody. If you're in the kitchen and you've got the phone aside, you're just hearing my voice. Well, as I look at what we're talking about coming up in the program, I have here the FBI, parentheses, and Hunter and corruption. But we repeat ourselves twice over. Yeah, and all of it is going to be in color. I know, it's just like the old TV show. Of course, we're going to be talking, as you can see, number three. We'll be discussing Elizabeth Warren. Oh, she really loves the little guy. Yeah, I think she likes the little guy roasted, fried, or broiled. I, I do believe. I'm not quite sure, but I think that's the way she likes the little guy. And we're going to check in with the Rockfin chat and say hi as we start the program. Hello, everybody. Jason Barker, thanks for being there. Occult Priestess, thanks for being there. Oh, hey, she's listening while she's cooking. I like that. Listen while you cook. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I think that's been covered pretty well. And uh, JB, thanks for being there. I like that with the JB. It always reminds me of something from like one of those old movies, like His Girl Friday. Like, yeah, JB, get out there and get me the story. All right. And did you ever notice how in those old movies from the 30s and the 40s, maybe up to like the early 50s, but especially the 30s and the 40s, especially the 40s, they all spoke really fast. It was like... Either they were hopped up on something or the director was like, no, faster, faster. We only have a certain amount of film stock. This stuff is expensive. See, you know, it was like even in the romance. That, well, so so you, you would get a scene where it's like, I'm going to take it down. Yeah, you're going to take me down. Yeah, I'm going to rough you up and take it down, knock you out. You know, it's like, OK, slow it down there. But even in the romance scenes, like, I love you. I can't do it without you. You love it? Yeah, baby, I can't do it without you. Let's go out on Sunday. Get married, baby. Oh, I love you. I love you, too. It was like. Okay, can I just bring this down a notch from like eight eighths to seven eighths or something like that? Because this is too much. And the romance scenes, they always struck me as really feeling artificial there because there's no way normal humans would speak that fast. You know, it was like, yeah, I got to get this line out as quickly as possible because I got to urinate. I've been drinking iced tea all day and I'm really caffeinated. That's so romantic. I know. Let's go get married. <laughs> 
Let's see what's happening. Let's see what's happening in Rumble Chat. Rumble, thanks for joining us, everybody. And please, again, hit the big, hit the big thumbs up and spread the word. Can you imagine if a host was like that all the time? That would be the worst. Oh, man. I want to go out on a date and do it like that sometime. Hey, I feel like I'm in the 1940s. See? Hey. Where's my MacGuffin? <laughs> Egg MacGuffin. It's a sandwich you just can't get. <laughs> I got to tell that to David Knight. <laughs> Maybe when I fill in for David, I'll have a fake commercial. This portion of the David Knight David Knight show brought to you by Egg McGuffin. Try to get it. You can't. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great night. High five. We'll see you later. <laughs>
outfit that's very tight and say, please jab me harder, daddy. Do you also have a medical fetish? <laughs> yeah, I can see it now. You know, like the, the early days of punk rock in London weren't actually about punk rock and, you know, all the S&M stuff like that. It was just actually put out by the pharmaceutical companies. They wanted to prepare everybody for the masking and all that stuff. You know, it's like protect against the virus. Now you can see the sex pistols. Oh, okay. <laughs> God that rubber. Me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we missed that one. And now we have Dracula on the throne. Yeah. <laughs> hey, OP. Uh, oh, by the way, you remember that? Remember those OP shirts, the uh, ocean Pacific t-shirts, right? Yep. I always wanted to have ocean Atlantic because in new England, the Atlantic ocean is so freaking cold. <laughs> That literally, I went into the, I went in the uh, ocean one time with my friend Eric, Eric uh, Shiner of MRC TV, and we were out at the beach one time because we were both come from New Hampshire, we were friends for a while, and uh, we went to Hampton Beach, which is like one of the two little beaches on this little stretch of New Hampshire where you you know you have access to the ocean, and there's a there's a good rock club there. I, I just saw Elvis Costello there and stuff. That was really cool, and um, yeah, it's fun. So. Um, so it was a real hot day and we were there and, uh, you know, January typical hot. No, uh, it was really hot and, um, we're like, Oh, let's go. But the water is always really cold. It's very rare that, you know, it's super cold. So my dad grew up on the coastline in Massachusetts. So he was always used to the cold water and stuff. So he, it didn't matter. We would be kids and he would just jump in. We're like, dad, how are you doing that? What? That's no, no, that's not good. And we'd be standing there like, you know, it's up to our ankles. Like I'm getting out of here. It's like 40 degrees. So I decided I would do what my dad did. Eric went into like maybe just above his knees. He's like, oh man. All right. That's enough. Uh, this is, there's no way I'm going any further. So I waited for a wave and I did what my dad did. I dove in, got in there and he would typically with the cold water, just go in, get up and be like, Whoa, and then he'd walk back, you know, quick refresher, super cold, but it did the trick for him. So I'm like, yeah. I'll do what my dad did. So I dive in, Eric's like, Whoa. And I go, and I come up and I'm like, yeah, I'm like my dad. All right, cool. And I was like, Whoa, man, that was great. Wow. Woo. 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 And then I'm walking back with Eric and just as the area where the sand, you know, the water sort of infuses the sand and pulls back, you know, where they might like the title for uh, for <laughs> lost might be written, you know, or like, you know, save Gilligan would be written and the astronauts would read it wrong or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just at that point, every muscle in my body from my waist up seized and I couldn't breathe. I've heard this before. Oh, it was, I'd never experienced, Eric was like, dude, are you all right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad this isn't happening inside me. <sighs> it was rough. It was really rough. And um, so I always wanted to make t-shirts that would be ocean Atlantic and show just dude sitting there like the coldest, yeah. you know, the coldest water south of the, uh, south of the pole, ocean Atlantic, you know? Oh. <laughs> Hey, by the way, um, if you, you, you might see through this window, there's, there's a little cat, uh, like house. And so you might see the cat appear or I might get up. If he comes to the door, I might have to get up and, you know, like oh, let him in no or problem. whatever. Cats yeah. come first. <laughs> Got that right. Like I said, you know, on the show, that guy, Leo, um, uh, as I mentioned, you know, He's a Lynx hybrid. The other one's a Lynx hybrid. They're really big and they're very, very uh, like hyper intelligent. They're super smart cats. And um, Leo has stuck with me so much. 
And a white wolf, yeah, at least my pumpkins are doing great this year. Well, you know, I hear those pumpkins could be a source of viral infection, and we're going to have to destroy them all. It's all happening. <laughs> so, you know, they'll come up with any dumb excuse to just destroy stuff. You know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's like when Roosevelt was president and they, they told guys to roll cotton back into the ground or kill pork. You know, it's like, so let me get this straight. Cave people work harder to get abundance. And once we have figured out ways to make things efficiently, you want to destroy those things. <laughs> oh, okay. You're not my enemy. Okay. I mean, it's I just the it's a predator absurd. class. Yeah, sure. yeah. Anyway, thanks for having me having me along for the ride. This is going to be great. And thanks also to Angry Tiger for just being such a stand up dude. Uh, you know, I was I was texting texting him a little bit earlier, and um, he's he's just a great guy. Great guy. I love working with him, and I can't yeah. say that about many people. I'm pretty picky. So. There we go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I know that. You know, it's it's. Yeah, and I and I, I like the fact that I, I don't think you're necessarily picky, but you do a really good job when you're on the air on trying to make sure that what you're doing is giving people something, you know? And um, I think when you're doing something on the air, you're looking for quality. So I guess I better go. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm very <laughs> excited to be in the same room with you. Come hey, on. I like it. I dig it. All right. So then you can go out and look for the cat. Oh, well, that would be lovely. You know, it yeah. looks like it's even, it's just dusk there. It's totally dark here. Yeah, it's it's just dusk. And uh, so he, sh he should be coming along pretty soon. And sometimes it's a little bit tricky. Like, uh, you know, I feed him in the morning, but um, uh, sometimes I'll withhold just a little bit and give it to him later as a, you know, an incentive to bring him back. You know, I'll, I'll hold back some of the can or whatever. So there you go. We're very proud of all the farmers in the chat and the cat lovers and the dog lovers. Oh, That's look, nice. it's Pat Breeze. Well, okay, there you go, White Wolf. And yeah. then um, my friend Elf just joined the chat. His name's Pat here, but I call him Elf. He's Elf over there. Is, the, is the cat really looking in the door, Pat? I don't know. He put a winky smiley face. So I. All right. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's gonna be. Tricky. But you can look if you like. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'll go take you. a look. Let's see. Hold on. Okay. Let's see. They're gonna be tricking me. There, Morris. Morris. Nah, he's not. You getting the Garner Goldsmith? Yeah, home? he's not back oh. yet. I've got no control over him. Morris. Morris is interesting. It? He brought me a. Uh, he brought me a mouse that he had killed a little while ago. Yeah, I dropped it off at my feet and then started to eat it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, sorry, dude. I'm going to have to bury this sucker. But um, yeah, yeah. So uh, so uh, there's so many things we can discuss, you know, breaking stories, cultural things, books, well, before television I forget, movies. One thing before I forget is that Freeman Fly of FreemanTV.com would like to invite you onto a show. And if you can make it tomorrow at some point, he would be very, very happy about that. Uh, what Do you know what time? Yeah, he said best for him is one through four, but he's flexible. Eastern uh, Standard Time. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I might not be able to do it tomorrow, but I, I can check in in the morning if you can give me contact info or whatever I sure on the back will. side of... Uh, of the tweet deck, uh, I will contact. Exactly. 
Yeah, he's cool. I like him. And I loved your birthday thing. That was so much fun. Oh, yay. We had yeah, a ton of fun. It was, yeah, yeah I cool. liked a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. And of course, very dedicated to freedom, as are you. And I, I think it's interesting. He said that he wanted to talk about the topics that are going on right now. And I said, and he's like, who? And I was like, guard Goldsmith, dude. Right. <laughs> so I said, he reports the news like every night. So yeah. he knows exactly what's going on. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh you know, it's, it's wild because, you know, I've been doing this ever since I was a little kid and I would, you know, be watching the news and I'd be debating with teachers. And I, like, you know, I've said, you know, I had one teacher used to pull my hair and she threatened to pour soda over my head. Um, just ridiculous. You know, they, they don't, they don't want to, it's always been this way. You know, the left people are like, gee, the left is all of a sudden not in favor of free speech. It's like, are you serious? You really think that leftists were in favor of free freaking speech? Did you ever go to a public school? Like, hello, did you ever watch network news? No, of course they weren't in favor of free speech. Give me a break. Come on. Don't be so naive. They just wanted to shut down the speech they didn't like. And they claimed that they were in favor of spe free speech. It was a total, there's a total, uh, you know, uh, deft um, sort of, you know, karate, uh, uh, not karate, but, uh, to, you know, whatever, uh, you know, martial arts move. It was ridiculous. I yeah. heard on the grand theft world pot of uh, podcast. So they talked about the, our American schools are based on the Prussian method. Mm. And within that method is the method of control. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And uh, you know, the, the Prussian design was designed to create good cogs in the machine. And, um, but in fact, what's interesting about that is, and by the way, I often see you in the chat there. Cause I, I watch, I watch Grand Theft World every Sunday. It oh, is awesome. Every... Yeah. High oh, yeah. fives on that. <laughs> oh, those guys, Richard, Richard and Tony are so great. And the knowledge they have is, is just remarkable. And um, I first heard about them because my friend Brett, who used to do the School Sucks podcast, uh, Brett Vinant. Right. Uh, yeah, he worked with those guys. And Brett's a great guy. He came up with the Free State Project. But the interesting thing about it is that even before the, the Prussian uh, system, um, the Harvard elites in Boston, and you can find, you can get this information from Sam Blumenfeld's book called Is Public Education Necessary? Mm -hmm. And he also reiterates it in his, um, one of his later books called NEA, Trojan Horse of American Education. And he goes through the Harvard, originally the Harvard, they were pur uh, Puritans. Uh, they were Calvinists in Harvard in 1620. Can you remind me what that is? So, you know, John Cal uh, uh, John Calvin and, you know, hardcore Puritans coming over from the Mayflower sort of thing, um, you know, getting away from the Anglicans and the Catholics. They weren't pure enough in the Protestant religion. So they came over and they they a lot of them had ties to the original pilgrims who came over and founded Plymouth Plantation. So. Uh, they, you know, they moved around the Boston area. Now, some who were ostracized by the original Puritans from Plymouth Plantation moved further north and they founded Gloucester. Uh, my family, the Gardner family, uh, Richard Gardner came over on the uh, Mayflower and he signed the Mayflower Compact. Uh, his wow. family. And yeah, yeah. So, so that's where my Gardner name com comes from. And, um, so his family moved up uh, in that area and they founded Salem. Uh, they were one of the five families that founded, founded Salem. And um, so in the 1600s, Harvard, you know, John Harvard, 
and as as you know he had it's a lot of ties to slavery and things like that um um so this guy commenting richard and tony are great but i am in bed listening on my cell phone and rockman's app sucks that uh, does all kinds of crazy things during uh, grand theft world podcast for some reason yeah uh I've, I've had that encounter sometimes too but yeah um uh it's interesting because um uh, so Harvard was very interested very early on in starting public education in Boston. That was one of the first areas where they tried to do it, and they kept failing over and over and over again. And so Sam Blumenfeld goes through. Sam actually sort of laid the groundwork for people like John Taylor Gatto and Charlotte Iserby. And so my dad, when my dad was in Washington with the Reagan administration trying to dismantle the education department, that's where he met Charlotte. Charlotte lived up in Maine and we lived in New Hampshire and my dad and Charlotte became friends and Sam Blumenfeld uh, lived around the Boston area and Sam was down around uh, Washington as well. So my dad uh, secretly edited Sam's second book, NEA Trojan Horse. Oh, under wow. Us. Yeah, he did it as a pseudonym. So like nobody would know that this dude with the Reagan administration was tied to this radical book. And um so in it, he, uh, you know, Sam goes through. So originally the Harvard people were Puritans and they wanted government run uh, the Boston government to inculcate people. They wanted the religion mixed with the state through that means uh, that kept failing. And so uh, later Harvard got taken over by Unitarians. And so in the in the early 1800s, they continued to push for this thing. And um, there was this architect named Bullfinch and around Boston, if you go around Copley Plaza or anything like that, uh, there's a place called Bullfinch Place. He was an architect and he was very well known. And um, and he actually um, conducted a study. He paid for a study. He was pushing for the same sort of thing, wanted to inculcate kids to get them away from their there, especially as more Irish came in with the Catholics, uh, the Irish Catholics. But even prior to that, as the Universalist Unitarians started to take over Harvard, rather than having people attached to their religion, they wanted them attached to the state. So the Prussian model, in a way, was already uh, presaged by these figures in Massachusetts who kept repeatedly in a sort of early pre-Fabian socialist way, slowly but surely, incrementally trying to push, 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 as Adam Ant would say in Car Trouble, for government-run education to inculcate kids into the state rather than allowing them to go to their uh, their church schools. And so it really came uh, came with a big push as the Irish Catholics came in and they tried to el eliminate the Catholic influence. And that's when it really metastasized when you see uh, a lot of like Horace Mann, late 1800s, early 1900s, and, and the growth of government run education from that point on. It just, you know, the horses were on the track, as Big Audio Dynamite would say. So there you go. A couple of punk and post punk references for you there. <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm not sure I got all of them, <laughs> <laughs> but someone did. I appreciate that. Hey, Karen Carpenter's in there. I, cool. When I was a teacher, I had to pay for most of the classroom supplies myself. You know, one of the things that used to, used to, ticked me off so much about government schools. And I would say this to the teachers. They would give us the, the I was in like the, the, the English program, the, like the honors uh, thing or, you know, like for my high school. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to go into writing and the teacher just crushed all the life of writing out of us because she was a 
deconstructionist, postmodernist, leftist, and of course we could <laughs> never disagree. Yeah, it was awful. So nihilistic. Really, yeah, yeah, and she she showed such such towering disrespect. This is one of the things that I noticed early on with leftists. They didn't. They just didn't respect people. They would use writers and stuff they wrote that they would have no real evidence that the writers actually meant any of the stuff that they said was hidden in the meaning in the text. They do deconstructionism in this postmodernist way, and they say this is actually the meaning. And right, this writer, I know. yeah, I, the meaning. Yeah, yeah. And I had no problem if somebody wanted to speculate that and say, hey, is it possible that the writer meant this? But that wasn't the way they did it. This was no, it was laying the law down. And if you didn't exactly. know how to read it like that, then you there was something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't disagree. You had to follow and lock stuff. So I, I realized freshman year in high school that we were in a propaganda thing. And the most propagandistic section of the high school was the English department. They were pushing it on us. History was bad enough. But at least some of the teachers there allowed for some debate. And I had one great history teacher who was a libertarian, uh, Rick Hanchett. And he was great. He had us reading John Locke and all this stuff. Uh, it was great. He was excellent. And um, he, he used to do, he'd come in doing the Ministry of Silly Walks from Monty Python. You'd see his leg what, come through the door Monty first. Oh, he was hilarious. He was great. He had all these walking sticks and he'd bash them down on the desk in front of people if they weren't paying attention enough. Just snack. <laughs> it was great. It was so great. He brought in snuff one time. He had a sample snuff. It was I wicked. wonder what that's like. Oh, snuff? Yeah. Um, it it well, it comes in different flavors, and um, it's you can taste it, you know, you can taste it go down the back of your throat and stuff like that. And that's the only time I've ever tasted snuff. Um, it was okay. You know, does it, it cause was, reaction in the body? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. That's it's funny. You should bring that up. I forgot about that. You do. You get that like that uh, tobacco um, uh, with nicotine. The, the nicotine. Oh, rush. okay. Yeah, that's what I get, thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. But um, yeah. So that was one of the first areas with was with the uh, deconstructionism in English classes, and uh, that always bothered me. So for my writing. Uh, anything that's coming out now, uh, I have notes in the back so that people won't misconstrue things. And I always thought that that Ooh. was, yeah, uh, you know, because it, uh, to me, it just it showed how little collectivists respect other people, because if they were willing to take someone's writing and absolutely have no evidence about something and claim that this writer actually was, you know, sending us this message about poverty and the redistribution of wealth and justice and systemic this and systemic They're that. They're just framing like, it to the new world order narrative, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heights, I'm sure it's political on some level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they've got all these pious ideas about, you know, how untouchable their theories are and, and you know, and their philosophy and stuff. You couldn't question any of that stuff. It's like going to church, except it well, wasn't. It's a it cult. wasn't voluntary. You know that, that it's a cult mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, so and what got us onto this is, you know, you brought up the Prussian thing. And um, I, I think that, you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of people will go back and they'll be like, well, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, education was OK. When I was a kid, you know, uh, uh, even Sam Blumenfeld, Sam got a pretty good education in New York. It was a public school system and it was before they started to introduce uh, the non-phonetic teaching of, of so-called teaching of reading, which is the look, say method or sight word method. They gave it all the different word method. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, it, you know, parents would complain. They're like, look, this is based on the Phoenician alphabet. That's why it's called phonics. So this is a sight symbol system. You have to 
every every phoneme is useful. You break it into phonemes, you sound it out left to right, you know what the subparts are in the letters, and then you can read left to right. And that's how you learn how to read. And they wouldn't do it. They'd give kids one word, have it, have them read it as almost like a, a pictogram and say, this is what this is. And the kids wouldn't learn how to sound out the difference between doctor and doctorate, right? So, you know, once you learn phonetic reading, you can read any word because you just sound it out left to right and you get used to it. But that's not, you had to memorize every stinking word for these people because it was a different symbol, which is not what the Phoenicians designed. So Sam, he early on would talk about that, but he, you know, he even would say, you know, I got a pretty good education, but he came to the conclusion. He's like, the entire system is immoral. It's corrupt. It takes money from people against their will and it has to stop. And that's, that's the starting point. You don't, you know, whether think people think it's, it's got a good practical outcome or it's based on some foreign um, Prussian design and then it can be repaired and made American or, you know, whether that's a subtext, maybe for a small percentage of people, they might think that's the case. Um, it doesn't matter. It's the immorality of forcing my neighbor to pay for an education system. Um, that is the end point. I don't, you don't go beyond that. You stop, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And the system I'm more, I am more aware of and understand better is psychology. And I've come to conclusion that, well, again, it makes you the cog and the wheel. Psychology therapists are here to normalize you back into a sick society. Yeah. You know, you're a good worker. And I yeah. think that couldn't we just say cover it all every system that we would that we would designate as a system is a system of control. Well, I I don't know necessarily um, if if you're I think it, it depends on what you designate as a system, right? Uh, Adam Smith called politicians and bureaucrats the men of system. And, um, and, you know, I, I think if you go by that point, if it's not voluntary, then, then it is exactly as you describe it. But I think you can have voluntary systems that people come up with. I mean, language is a voluntary system, right? Communi communicating through language is voluntary and it, it organically grew. Uh, money, exchange of real money, not, not the stuff they force on us, but currency, I should say, is a form of, 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 of a system. It's a system of interaction and trade. Uh, division of labor is another organic system that uh, develops naturally. Well, uh, so these systems in action are yeah. corrupt. <laughs> so yeah. in action, they don't work. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, even if, you know, if you look at religion and things like that, um, I think, you know, clearly there are voluntary religions and there are other religions that are foist on people and that's the 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 one that's foist on people the most in history is the religion of the state and um yeah even voting is part of that religion it is absolutely and that's one of the things that you know i was mentioning this song by the new christ called lower yourself um and it's the lead singer of radio birdman a couple other members of radio birdman and um and the new christ are great from australia and I just think that engaging in the act of trying to get done what you want done through force, the force of the state, is lowering yourself. Uh, it's lowering yourself. To, it's, it's debasing yourself to the point of being an aggressive element and uh, a criminal. And that's, you know, that's generally speaking, 
And I know that many people think that if they can put the right person into the state office, they possibly could reduce the state. Um, and they think that that means that, okay, on balance, I think it's okay to have that person get tax money because in the end, we have a little bit of hope that that person might, you know, reduce it. I understand that. I can't, I, 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 I can't go that direction to vote for anybody to fill that office anymore. The closest I'll get to that is if there's a local election on a budget, um, I'll vote no on the budget every time. And then even then I sort of wonder whether other anarchists might be like, yeah, dude, you're, you're, you're giving a signal that you acquiesce to the very validity of the state. I don't necessarily think that that's the case that engaging in their voting system means that I accept the vote. Um, you know, if, if I'm a slave and I'm allowed to, um, you know, to vote on whether or not we're going to be starved more, um, I don't think it means that I accept the idea that they can decide whether to starve me or not starve me if I vote, no, don't starve me. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. 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 Being yeah. mostly spiritual, I've been driven away from politics since I was very little, little <laughs> itty bitty. Yeah. Uh, I was raised Jehovah's Witness and they're against blood transfusions and voting. Right. Right. And, right. Um, hand on heart because they're a cult in and of themselves. And they were jealous <laughs> of the American cult that we all lived in. So, you know, I I'm curious. I, a couple of Jehovah's Witness folks came by our, our house last week. I had one of those really bad headaches and I was very, very happy to chat with them and stuff like that. And I wouldn't join. I don't know that much about the Jehovah's Witnesses church. And maybe you could tell me, you know, and it's probably something for a much larger conversation, but are, are they Christian completely? Uh, are they seen as you know, how are they viewed by, say, traditional Catholics or other Protestant sects? Um, you know, are, is it appropriate to call that a cult or in your eyes? Or how do you feel as, as you went through it? And, you know, um, how do you look back at it? Well, I'll show Harlan and then I'll show you all the T-shirt I'm wearing tonight, which is my very special, not a cult. Oh. <laughs> So because I'm a cult priestess and people think that the word occult means cult or satanic or all kinds of things. Yes. So um, the witnesses, the thing about the Jehovah's Witnesses that I think you might find most interesting is that their narrative of the end of the world matches the United Nations and much science fiction, the same narrative of the end of the world. It's not just biblical. They say that evil will be the head of all tables, and not everyone believes that, mm. and that basically the powers will be completely corrupted, and the end will come. And then there's that whole stuff about the war between Jesus and the devil, and then there's like a testing period where I think the devil's locked up for a while. And then he's let loose. I don't know, yeah, but yeah, yeah, they yeah. always did talk about the new world order. I've known about the new world order since I was little. Mm -hmm. And they said that, that they were going to be the ones that brought about the end times. And it would truly happen when we all united in peace. That was when you were supposed to be most scared. 
when we were united as one mm -hmm. government mm -hmm. world yeah. order. Yeah. But yeah. I know because I've done the research, right? That Jehovah's Witnesses are just another kind of social engineering. You could say the Black Panthers, although not a religious organization, was a type of socially engineering that group of people. And then Jehovah's Witnesses would be a different group of people, those who are more susceptible to the religious indoctrination. But it was well, still, everybody was getting the same kind of story about what was going on at the end of the world. So I'm thankful that I got a sneak peek as a child of this was playing out right now. You know, it's interesting because if you look at, if you look at people like um, uh, the Scientologists, right? Um, uh, I knew a bunch of Scientologists who are, you know, they have many very, very admirable qualities. They're Why very do you opposed... know a whole bunch of Scientologists? Well, That's it was, it was interesting. Well, it was interesting because they, they invited me, uh, one of the most libertarian state reps, Sam Blumenfeld, and others to uh, meet with them. They used to call my radio show in New Hampshire when I was doing a New Hampshire show in the the not the capital city, but Manchester, which is like the you know the major city there, and um and um the city of Man, Manchester, as uh, the original Manchester, uh, England was. Uh, That's was what it named. reminds me of. Hair. Men. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so they're, they're very opposed to drugging. They're very opposed to public education, government run education, especially drugging in government run education. Like they're massively massive. Like they really, really against that. Stuff. Scientologists are against psychology period. There's yeah. a wonderful, I yep. don't know if you've seen the documentary. Um, there's even a museum there in LA called something of death like Museum of Death. Yeah. And then the film that they did, which is anti-psychology, it takes you in to all the psych wards in the black and white days when they were really, they do torture them now still, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. on, on so many drugs. It doesn't look as bad, but they were showing the brutal beginnings of psychology. And I, I at the end of the film, it's like, done by Scientology. And I was like, well, that's because that is your one um, enemy, right? Psychology yeah. and Scientology are enemies because L. Ron Hubbard thought psychology was taking over what he yeah. wanted to do. And it's interesting, you know, I know some people who are critics uh, might, I've heard some people say, oh, well, you know, this is a ruse. They're just playing this in a long game sort of thing to try to make it look like this. And they're really involved with indoctrination and so on and so forth. And they have these sort of pyramid scheme setups and so on and so forth. And, I, you know, I understand that criticism and so on. But um, when it comes to their criticism, they've been very consistent for a long, long time on stuff like this. And now that you bring up, Oh, I think they're right stuff, about psychology. 100%. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like Thomas Sass, you know, Thomas Sass, great libertarian writer used to talk about that. You know, the, the vast majority of the psych psychiatric profession is dangerous and they yeah. are used to excuse control of people, particularly political control of people. And it's mad um, science. <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. you get sick of your wife, you just ship her off to the nut house. It's, oh, it's or children even. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's terribly sad. Uh, and then you look at, you know, you look at what they're trying to do to stop the government from getting involved with taking people away. And then you look at what what I, I got to interview Marty Gottesfeld a couple of weeks ago. And uh, 
and Marty, I was filling in for David Knight. Marty came on and he's looking into all these places that are filled with, with the people from the psychiatric profession, uh, places in Utah. And of course, Marty was able to save a young woman from being trapped by the medical system in Massachusetts, connected to Harvard, uh, Boston Children's Hospital, holding this young woman a hostage, essentially not hostage, but holding her, uh, they were going to kill her essentially, uh, keep her away from medication and stuff like that. And, um, and it's interesting because I see a lot of people say, um, yeah, you know, the state needs to exist somehow to protect kids from bad parents. (laughs) So you say to yourself, okay, so let me get this straight. If the, if the people themselves aren't good enough to form their own voluntary groups and you've got to have the state, you've got to force other people to pay for a police force that's going to investigate parents. Where does that end? Whose standard is applied? I and again, that opens that up the like pan. A, a fallacy mm-hmm. even? Isn't there oh, yeah. a fallacy within the statement itself? Absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly stated. Perfectly stated. And, and, you know, that's why like, um, you know, these, some of the fundamental questions are when, when a child is incapable of protecting himself, where does the protection from whence does the protection come? And people immediately leap to the idea of, well, it's gotta be government. You can't trust the people. Well, I'm always, I'm a tribal girl. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, they like to get but, down at the fire. But, you know but, but I mean? by the same token, they're constantly telling us the, that the government is the people. So then you don't need the government. Right. So, you know, we get this we get this recursive loop. It's this dumb feedback recursive. loop where they'll sit there and say, well, we yeah, you know, jerk. you know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely it's utterly asinine. It's like, look, if you don't trust people to form their own groups voluntarily, then how can you think that they're smart enough not only to handle their own lives, but to vote for somebody, another fallible human being, to handle somebody else's life? Because that's the presumption of the state. You know, typically exactly. when people go, Like Joe yeah. Biden knows better than me. Yeah, yeah He's exactly. my daddy. Exactly. He's your daddy. And and it's very interesting because in, in thinking that they're going to solve the problems that have accrued like tarnish on silver as more and more of these edifices have been created to somehow do what people didn't think people could do and they're going to have people do it they now insulate those government people from competition they give them stuff they incentivize them to constantly gin up that there's a need for more and more of what they do so we get the fbi you know um, you know, laying traps for people who wouldn't have gotten involved with stuff. We got a DCYF doing all these things. Then you got the government covering its own tracks. What's the worst offender of child abuses? The government-run childcare system. You know, I definitely I was, believe that. I walked yeah. into a government building one day, didn't know which one it was, looking for a different office, and I said, "Where, where am I?" And she's like, "This is where we take your kids away." I was like, "Oh my god." Was like that a you're bus, totally a cool bus with stop. that job, huh? Yeah, you know, and I, and I want to mention, I think the child abuse isn't just in the DCYF or anything like that, or the youth detention centers and stuff like that. Which they're in New Hampshire, they they're revealing some terrible things that have been happening there. It's probably one of the biggest scandals in a uh, hundred years in New Hampshire coming up with the the lawsuits that adults now are bringing 
for abuse in the uh, Department of Children, Youth and Families and the detention centers of kids and the abuse. I mean, we're talking stuff that was done to like the Indians in the Indian boarding school stuff, you know, rapes, terrible, terrible things, uh, getting kids to attack each other. Um, awful, awful stuff. Um, but in addition to that, um, the public school system is the most pervasive child abuse system in the history of the planet earth. There's nothing that compares to it. Nothing. It is, yeah, and, and it's right. inarguable. Huh? How, could, how could it be? Because there's where the children have been most. Yeah. Right. You know, right. but when I think about the founding of this country, that's political to me. And I see that a bunch of people came here and took over the place and then dubbed themselves king, queen, and ruler of this land when people were already here working with the land, doing just fine, yeah. thriving. Yeah. So I just see that it was another takeover. And then we got a bunch of Masons that started our law system, our, our all of it, politics was yeah and um and that you know that's one of the amazing things and op i wanted to ask you you said that you were always pretty aware of a lot of these things as a kid right now for me my mom politics (laughs) yeah oh yeah right right and it's and we gotta we gotta talk more about this so you gotta come on my show or whatever and and i want to do um video sharings with you like where we watch films and stuff together it would just be so delightful and i wish that we were hanging out like having popcorn together with a group we get jason barker and angry tiger and totally yeah round table Mm -hmm. yeah it'd be so much fun you know um but um well, I, I do I'm, hangouts on what I call Catterday Night Live. Yeah. And so most Catterday nights, you can come on over. Oh, I mean, yeah, we, can do, we can plan it. But this uh, Catterday, yeah. I'm doing something. I'm doing a watch along. Um, it's called Await Further Instructions. And it's an amazing film that people must see before the COVID restrictions come back. Well, when was it made? Was it is it like a something that it's, sort of presaged all that or? Oh, it was before that. It, it if you mean presage in the sense that it was pre-programming. Oh yes, sir. Was that the one about the dude who's in the bunker? And he's they're like, in the house. Oh my God, are you talking about the one with Ryan? I forget his name, but he's just in. I don't know what you're. What? There was there. Uh, maybe it was this one. Await further instructions. This isn't the cartoon one, right? Okay, so it was it was it. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy who I think was like, it was like some experimental film. It was like an apocalyptic thing. And he was down in a bunker and he was supposed to like monitor something or other. But it turned out it was just like an experiment to see. Oh my God. He He was the joke. Ah. What's that? He was the joke. He was the one. Yeah. Yeah. He was being experimented on. He was actually the experiment. Um, I, I, I don't remember, but yeah. What's this, what's this about? When's it from? So I think it was 2017, 18, um, and it's about, it's a holiday. The whole family is together in one house, and that's very rare, we're told. And then the TV starts telling them to do things. Will they listen to the television, or will they listen to logic? Oh, that's cool. Now, did are Wait you saying further instructions? Are you saying the film came out in 2017 or it was set in 2017? No, it came out. Oh, it I was see. Pre-programming so for the COVID lockdowns. Oh, wow, wow. 
Oh, I got to check that out. That is fascinating. It's pretty and, you know, cool. It's it, British. <laughs> it is. Okay. All right. That's cool. Yeah. There's so many, so many things that when you look at, you know, as, as you know, as, as an anarchist, I try to explain to people, you know, we talk about the concept of public health, that, that there is no such thing as public health. There's only individual health. There's no such thing as public anything because that eliminates the individual. It's always an individual. Even when he's among other people, you're still an individual. You don't melt into something called the public. It's the, the codependency that they want us to have on each other, which is really to keep each other in line. Yes, right? yes, Ooh. yes. And so that no one will complain when one has to be picked off for the betterment of the group. Right. right. The greater fucking, excuse me, tiger, the greater good. <laughs> yes. Yes. That that's is one exactly of my pet PB words, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You know, and uh, these are the sorts of philosophical questions. You know, I often, I often mention to people, you got that uh, jungle warlord example that they'll give in a philosophy class. So we'll bring it up in philosophy class. And they did it on that. Um, it's, it's some PBS thing that's on YouTube. They get, government funding it's like crash course philosophy with the there are two brothers i think i don't remember their names okay. like the green brothers or something like that and they're awful just the just I, I pure while <laughs> yeah i mean just you know just really really superficial and mega mega into their own egos they just think that they just operate with such absolute confidence in everything that they're spouting you're just like dude i you know i think yellowstone park should have more confidence in the regularity of its geyser. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just so stupid. So anyway, they, they did the, the example of the, um, of the jungle where um, the, the whole video was about consequentialism and the greatest good for the greatest number utilitarianism and shouldn't. Uh, he, and so this guy gives an example. He says, you know, Batman always has a, he has a don't kill policy. So he ends up capturing the Joker and the Joker ends up escaping. Doesn't that mean that in the end, Batman is responsible for all the deaths the Joker uh, commits, all the murders? It's like, no, what are you talking about? But he any day he actually assumes that and it's getting shown to all these students. It's like, is that kind of Marxist? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 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 And then it gets worse because they do the jungle example. So they get the 20 people are going out in the jungle and they get captured by a warlord. You're with them. You're the leader. You're the 20th person. They pull you aside and they have a gun. They don't give you the gun because students be like, oh, you turn the gun on the guy who's threatening you. It's like, no, they have a gun and they say you must select one person to be killed or I'm going to kill all these people or, you know, more people. But if you select the one person, then I won't kill anybody else. That's amazing because last weekend, Catterday, yeah. we watched a knock at the cabin and there were a couple or three people, yeah. a daddy, a daddy, and a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> and they had to choose. That was their whole thing. They had to choose which one of them to kill to avoid the end of the world, the apocalypse. And that's why I put it up there is because it's a moral quandary. So please go on with your story. Well, yeah. So, so what, there are two things about this, that part of what, part of the reason that this is put forward is because collectivists use it as an example of taking out the one 
for the greater good of the many, right? Mm-hmm. And that is utterly immoral. And it's also not supportable by logic within the political system, because within the political system, every one of those people is potentially threatened. So therefore, you're actually undercutting all of their security by the presence of the state saying, we can pick any one of you to be a victim. You're victimizing all of them. That's the first point. So that's why public health doesn't exist, because public health is contingent upon the idea that the individual's rights, liberty, whatever, can be sacrificed for the greater good of the public. But it just re- it just resets. Once you sacrifice that one, another person can be sacrificed. It never ends. So the whole concept of it also undergirds the very concept of security provided by the state, because the state is what is actually threatening people, right? And it, it, it assumes the power to do it. So there you, you've already created an, 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 a tautological QED, right? But then with this jungle thing, the, what they don't address is the morality of it. Right. And they say, well, you have to pick someone. It's like, no, you're saying you're going to kill someone. And they, it's like they assume you're responsible. If you don't pick someone, you're responsible for all these other people dying. No, I have nothing to do with it. My hands are washed. If you're going to kill somebody, you're going to kill somebody. I'm having nothing to do with this. I'm, and so the answer to the to the dilemma that they give you in these philosophy classes is, is it, and then he says, isn't it better to choose the one so that the others can survive? It's like, no, it's not better. You're choosing to have someone murdered. What you do is you don't participate and you let him kill you. That's all. And you're done. You're done. That's all. And then you get out of jail free. <laughs> yeah, it's it's utterly it's, you know, and, and this is like that, it, it, you know, they, they set these things up and then people don't question them. So, again, you know, it's like public school. Well, you know, we don't you think that, you know, somebody's going to have their their hopes sacrificed for the greater good. It's the public domain, you know, tragedy of the commons. Not everybody can be satisfied. So we got to go with the satisfaction of the greatest number of people. It's like, oh, OK, so can we go with Ursula Le Guin then with the, the ones who walk away from only loss and trap a child in a cellar in his own fecal matter where he feels every pain of everybody else and he's sacrificed? Or maybe we don't do that and we just don't do this frigging system. How about I that? Think that? Again, going back to the founders, we were founded by bullying. We were founded by bloodshed and murder. And it's just still going on. You know, so and I think. Back. Yeah. One of the few examples we have. Uh, and, and my, by the way, OP, my town is called Amherst, New Hampshire. Lord Jeffrey Amherst was part of the British. Uh, the British establishment. He was the guy, and I've mentioned this on my show before, so pardon me if you know if like you heard it before, whatever. But he was the guy who said, Hey, I got a brilliant idea. Why don't we give the natives blankets that are infested with disease-carrying lice? And we can kill them all, including the kids. Now they didn't do it, right? But it was the it's as far as I know, and maybe there's you know more from Roman days and Egyptian days and Babylon and stuff like that. But as far as I know, on this continent, that was the first example of attempted bio-warfare, right? And our the town is named after the guy. I, I can't even believe it. You just sit well, there like- Well, they're all, as Alex Jones would say, they're death worshipers. 
Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So there was a quote I think fits here really well. It's from George Orwell's 1984. I think mm. this is something we all need to hear. We need to wake up in a way we've never woken up before as a collective. So, quote, until they became conscious, they never rebelled. And it, until after they rebelled, they cannot become conscious. And that's oh. why I think it's all about like it goes back to spirituality, it goes back to know yourself, know who the hell you are. That's spiritual yeah. precept. That's about you understand about getting into yourself and understanding who you are so that you can be a correct human being in this world and not someone else's broken child. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, um, let me let me call up something to you now. I don't know. Can I share my screen with you? You can. Uh, okay. Um, okay, we're actually me... coming up on the last four minutes of this show, so make sure you have enough time to put in your socials and everything. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn away. Oh no! Wait a minute. You know what? I won't even do it right now. I won't even do it right now because if I go to share the screen, I would get like the infinity screen thing or whatever. It's okay. Uh, we don't mind. We can do it. If, if okay. All right. So I have let me to do put this. It, in, I, it has to be a link, you know that guard, so that oh. I can put it in the. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. So, so if I hit share screen on this thing right now, it wouldn't let me work? do it. Oh, let me see. Let me see Try if that'll it. work. Let's screen see sharing work. is easiest with two monitors. Share screen. I'll see what happens. Let me know. This might work. I'm just gonna go with uh, entire screen. It's going to get infinity tab just for a minute, but I'll show you this. Yeah, this. I, I call it inception mode. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, that, that was super cool. Okay. And I'm going to go with this. I'm not going to share the audio because then we'll get feedback. Oh, here it and comes. Yeah. It's, so, comes. yeah, don't bring it in. Okay. Yeah, no. there you go. So, no, that's okay. Yes. So, yeah, I'm going to go. I just want to show you this. So, can you see that on the screen Wednesday, August 23rd? Yes. Yep. So this is a quote from uh, Future Freedom Foundation. They say, I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society, which does not cower to human opinions, which feels itself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. I think that's pretty good. Whether it's just, <laughs> yeah, that's good, huh? That's really good. That's, that's yeah. definitely the sentiment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, there you go. So thanks for letting me do, do that. <laughs> do you use StreamYard on Liberty Conspiracy? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have to thank Tony Arterburn uh, so much because he really helped me. And Jason Barker also helped me out a lot um, because, you know, I was using my laptop and I was like, man, how do I avoid the infinity screen and stuff? And I was like, I got another screen and I plugged it in and I kept trying to, you know, you can create a second screen and all this stuff. And I, yes. I couldn't get the audio to work and stuff. Yeah. And then I remembered I have an old Mac. And I said, wait a minute, let me try this on the old Mac. Maybe I can log in on the old Mac and invite myself in and then log, log in as a guest on this. And then what I discovered is if I'm logged in on my Mac, I also can be logged in as the same person on my PC. Sweet. Yeah. So it actually allows me to be just one person. I don't have to open up, you know, invite guests or anything like that. 
It allows me to be in both of them. And I can put most of my controls on my Mac where I'm playing videos and stuff like that. And I can click the controls and show the screen or pull back the screen or whatever. And it, it works pretty well. You know, it's, it's difficult, as you know, when you're trying to present a lot of stories or videos and things like that, when you don't have a producer, hopefully what I'm doing is, is good enough. You know, uh, hopefully it's, it's professional enough that I think it looks okay. Oh, you're doing you know? a super job. And I oh. love the, the musical themes and the, because you're, you're pointing out the mythology in life through pointing out the art in life. And mm -hmm. you pointed out so often, almost every show, well, flashes in every show. Mm -hmm. So I'm just really impressed with your abilities to express yourself through artistic means. Oh, thanks so much. You know, OP, uh, you know, it's so funny because I just hopped in after doing finishing this show. And, I know you just yeah. did a show. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, it was fun. And I love rolling in like this. I just love rolling. We're going to give you a tiger roar. Shout out. Yeah. Shout yeah, out yeah, to yeah. Tiger. Power, ferocity and the directness describes the attack. OK, there you go. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. But I, I wanted to talk to you sometime, OP, and I know, you know, the show's coming to a close, but so many things. We've got breaking stories. We've got the d dumb debate thing going on tonight. We've got the Tucker thing. Which yeah, I Freeman said, I got to go home because the debate's coming on. I'm like, what's going? I didn't even know. But it's, oh, know. It, isn't it Tucker, actually, and Trump? Yeah, and, you know, to me, uh, that just struck me as being really petulant uh, to try to do counter-programming. First of all, when a time, uh, you know, we're at a time when you don't have to watch live. You can watch any time you want. You know, it's going to yeah. be there. Duh, right? right. Um, and so you don't need to do that. And and to me, it's just much more civil to be, to send, you know, this is one of the things that gets me. People lose their civility in politics so easily. It's I like think that's why they're in politics. They enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, football. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the other, the other thing about it is that there's a, to me, you know, and I can be pretty confident about certain things that I know or whatever and say, oh yeah, I can debate you. But there is, to me, there's still a curiosity and a, and a critical curiosity to say, hey, take a, take a back seat to your positions and see if there's something else that you can learn, you know? And, um, I see so many people who get engaged in the political world where they just have to get on that treadmill and they have to run and they've got to go with their ideas. And I, it, you look at Tucker and I think people have been wondering about that guy and stuff. And I don't want to raise him up as, you know, the be all and end all, but he's an example of the kind of person that at times I've thought, eh, I don't know if I trust him. Then at times I thought, eh, maybe he's making some headway. And, you know, whether there's a larger game that's being played because they're trying to promote him, they're trying to promote Elon, is Joe Rogan authentic? I think, you know, I think a guy like Tucker, I think he's pretty authentic. I think Joe Rogan's pretty authentic for what he does. I don't think they that they're... They could still be useful idiots. Yeah, you know, I I, I don't know, you know, it, and it's it's tricky because I, I Even probably... Alex Jones could be a useful idiot, dude. We don't know. Yeah, we won't you know, know till the game pieces are off the board. <laughs> you look at look at like you know the whole thing about the um, getting into the Bohemian Grove, right? Most of the time, I've heard people like, "Yeah, that was pretty cool that he got in there." Other people like, "Oh, it was a setup. It was fake. He, you know, he was let in, or it was I've it was made up." Stories, yeah, yeah, you know. So you don't know, you know. At a certain point, you're gonna say, "Ah, oh, geez, I don't know," but I think I'm just gonna go with what I got. 
I think maybe Alex Jones took some missteps and, you know, really sort of lost his way there for a while. Occasionally tries to get it back. Doesn't, you know, that sort of thing. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Tucker Carlson, I think, I think in the end when he was leaving Fox, I think he got to the point where like, you know, he did that my pillow thing as an example. And you could tell he was nervous because he was actually not really talking about my pillow. He was talking about the advertisers, the pharma advertisers on Fox. And, um, you know, he could have spoken out about that a lot earlier. He could have been a lot more courageous. And even when he did that, it was kind of like, okay, I think I know what you're talking about here, dude, but you're not really showing a lot of courage. I think I get He's it. You're in the ivory tower for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I said, I've got my friend who worked for the Obama administration and then he left the Obama administration because uh, he was disgusted by what Eric Holder was doing there. And then he approached me about Ukraine when I was reporting on it in late 2013, he's like, where are you getting your information? Then he confirmed everything. He's like, oh yeah, you're hundred percent right. And it's worse than you even imagine. Yeah. And then he didn't tell me anymore. But since that time, he started a PR firm in Washington and he's completely disconnected from me. And uh -huh. you know, it, it's, you know, I haven't changed and, and it's, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily take it personally as, I feel bad about myself or anything, but I feel bad about somebody being in that sort of position and making decisions like that, that I think are sort of, you know, erosions of one's own character. You know, it's like that statement about society there, you know, whatever the pressures are, hopefully you can understand there's a higher power. And OP, I really want to talk to you sometime about your belief system in the afterlife and, and things like that. And, um, Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's so fascinating. Your conversations with Tiger about this, he as a Christian, you not necessarily as a Christian, but having some of that in your roots are really interesting. And I, I don't have the knowledge that you you guys have. So I, I couldn't be And conversing. we don't have the knowledge you have. Well, uh, you know, I, about the cats maybe here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, it maybe what we can do and, you know, this is Tiger's show. So but maybe what we can do is we can schedule some times like once a month or something like that to hit certain things where you have some because I know it's difficult, you know, pre-planning stuff or being asked to pre-plan something for somebody else's show. Well, no, I always get copies for my own channel, so it doesn't matter. Oh, that, well, that's that's true. That's that's good. That's good. But I end up really, really doing a lot of work, you know, because I don't want to disappoint somebody. And, you know, so I don't want to ask ask that of somebody. But no, I, I don't mind. Okay. I pre-schedule. I'm, I'm yeah. a good good like that. It's all yeah. good. Cool. Yeah, um, we'll do it for sure. Yeah. And we got to talk about Star and Trek. I do like the once a month idea because yeah. Tiger and I are doing a couple of different shows once a month. And if I just do a bunch of different shows once a month and it's like a neat new show with a different person yeah. a bunch of times a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great thing. And uh, I'm glad I'm doing more of this and, you know, I'm trying to figure out uh, how I can do, you know, make sure that I've got Liberty conspiracy on a budget and doing it properly and things like that. And I don't want to insult viewers and, and say, Oh, well, you know, I need this or that for a budget, but I want to start, doing it on a very, very serious, you know, really making myself get serious about it. And I think that that's one way that you respect the product you're putting out. And um, I also want to start the publishing wing. And I want to talk to you later off the air about fiction. 
um, because uh, I'd like to invite you if you'd like to write stories and things like that. There's an anthology that I want to do. I spoke with Don Jeffries and other people about it, and I'd love to have you be part of it. I think it'd be great. You know, real freedom lovers in this anthology. Thank you for thinking of me, Guard. I'd love to be given the chance to write. Writing is such a different thing than making videos. Mm. It's really cool. Oh, so true. So true. Yeah. And uh, especially, you know, for my uh, OnlyFans account, you know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Let me get your OnlyFans. I, I don't think I have that one, Guard. Uh, I just I, I just actually put up a bunch of fans. I was joking around about that one time with, I think it was like Billy Ray or Tony or something like that. <laughs> I was like, I have, you know, I have like the old Asian fans, you know, those things. And I have like big fans, little fans, windmills. Darn, you know? I thought we were going to see you in your skivvies on your OnlyFans. <laughs> Dan, he also does lounge music, kids. <laughs> I happen to know you are a very good lounge singer. Oh, thank you. I'll be like Bill Murray. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, not even Car Wars. <laughs> that was awesome. That, that was, was awesome. Oh, my gosh. I wish SNL was still cool or the kids knew what the hell it was when it oh. was back in the day with the cone oh, yeah. heads and everybody. It was really awesome. And it'd be so much fun to get a bunch of rock fin hosts dressed like the SNL people from back in the day. Like yeah. I'd be Rosanna, Dana, Dana. Oh man. <laughs> We've got to Chewing have the, gum. Um, the priest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Father Guido, Father Guido Sarducci. Sarducci. You know, do you know, they actually brought Guido Sarducci into Fenway Park to try to exercise the curse of the Bambino. Wow. He, he that performed, makes sense. yeah, he performed a spurious exorcism in Fenway Park. That's like the coolest thing. Don, his name that. was Don something. I can't remember Don something or other. Yeah, he was he was funny, man. Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> <laughs> well, guard, tell us where we can find you. Where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? Uh, well, uh, I guess the best thing would be, um, so Liberty Conspiracy is on, oh, wow. Hey, cool. Uh, Liberty Conspiracy is on every Monday through Friday, starting at six and, um, they can find me there, uh, on Rockfin and on Rumble. So they can just look up Liberty Conspiracy on Twitter, which is a really easy way to find all my updates and stuff like that. But the timing, sometimes you might not see it immediately because you might not be on when i'm putting something out but uh that's at guard goldsmith g-a-r-d goldsmith and then um on gab i'm at gardner goldsmith my Substack is gardner goldsmith g-a-r-d-n-e-r goldsmith my fiction is on amazon and on barnes and noble and that is just look up Gardner Goldsmith or P. Gardner Goldsmith. You'll, you'll find my novellas and upcoming novels and stuff, hopefully coming out soon. And yeah, um, mrctv.org has other articles by me and stuff like that. They're all there. Oh, are we still together? Oh, we're still together. Okay. Oh, your volume isn't on though. That's the one thing. Did you mention your Substack? Yes. Yes. Okay. Got to mention the Substack. So okay. yeah, the Sunday morning, that. Sunday news assembly. And yeah, I'd love to join you on Saturday nights. Usually on Saturday nights, what I'm doing is, and I, I sort of misstated this on my show uh, the other day, usually Saturday nights, um, what I'm doing is gathering for about three or four hours. I go and I gather like 20 something stories or so. And I put them into this thing called the Sunday news assembly. I also send a lot of those stories out to the editor at MRC TV. And then he looks at them Sunday morning and tells me which articles he would like me to write. And then all day Sunday, 
I work pretty much 12 or 13 hours straight, just, you know, working and eating or, you know, whatever, uh, to write three or four articles for MRC TV. And then on Mondays I shoot the MRC TV videos for them. Um, but what I, what I can probably, what's, what's that? Do you get paid? Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, like a job. (laughs) Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm on contract with them. It's not my full time job. And that's one of the things that would be great if I if I can really secure uh, Liberty Conspiracy and make it, you know, that I can get X X amount per year with it, then that will make everything very, very solid. And uh, I'll be able to capitalize on on my my learning and my efforts and stuff. I'll be able to feel like I'm utilizing them well. Uh, But yeah, um, dude. Yeah. I love and, that and w- for you. What about you? What about you? Well, how, how can people find your stuff? Well, if was it White Wolf? Oh, yeah. Karen Carpenter said, uh, what do I think of Thomas Sheridan? And he's like an Irish folk guy. Yeah, I'll just yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about him, me and the astrologer Fiona Edgar. Please look up the episode um, that we just did with Fiona like a week ago where we actually talk about Thomas Sheridan because they're friends, but he and I have the same vision of that aliens are not real and that they're just redressing the fairy realm, the mineral realm in a different light so that they can control a bigger narrative of aliens and stuff. So he and I agree on a lot of points and we're both kind of paganish in the same way, I'd say. But thank you for that question. That was a great question. And you can, oh, wait a minute. They're talking about William Shatner. We mentioned him earlier today. Um, so you got your Tom there. Tom. And your Karen there. Gilda. <laughs> and uh, I forgot. Judy Miller Show. I remember that. That was wicked funny. Yes, definitely. Oh, thank you, Karen. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to see. i got to get an ex- extended period away from there and see how it works. It could oh, take there months. it is. You can talk, sing like William Shatner guard. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to do stand-up, and he was one of my impressions. I, really- I totally, I think we all kind of intuitively know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, I mean, I used to love Star Trek, man. That was so much fun. Uh, Star Trek was cool. And I don't know if I told you, OP, but I had a dream. I mentioned this once, but when I was a kid, I loved Star Trek. And, you know, I had this dream that uh, I was at a Chinese restaurant with my brother and this like carnival ride thing pulled up next to our booth and we got on it and it took us through the double doors that went to the kitchen. But instead of going to the kitchen, we ended up on the, uh, the bridge of the Enterprise. Oh my God. And, yeah, it was why before was it the, Asian. I wonder why the were. Yeah, Asian. it was after the Star Trek TV show and after the Star Trek cartoon, but before the movie, before they were talking about the movies or anything. And uh, so I dreamt that. And then I also had a dream that I was in this thing called the Bedford Mall in Bedford, New Hampshire. And in the mall portion, they actually had a movie theater there. It was a general cinemas thing. You could walk in from being inside the mall, just like all the other entrances to like the bookstore and CVS and all those. Isn't Bedford but, from A Wonderful Life? Uh, Bedford Falls. Yeah. Bedford Falls. Yeah. And of course we know, well, I won't go into, I won't go into, uh, the fractional reserve banking that was going oh God, on. No, please. That, yeah. You guys, you guys can do that when it's boring. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's a lesson in, in, uh, in economics, but, um, uh, yeah, I dreamt that I was in the mall portion of it and up on the end of the, of the long corridor, was a screen and the enterprise was on that gigantic screen and i was watching a star trek movie 
I'm like, whoa, a Star Trek movie on the big screen. Whoa. And then a few years. So the first part, going to the Enterprise with my brother, when we got to the bridge, the bridge wasn't exactly like the bridge. It was sort of plush and everything was this raspberry sherbet color, right? <laughs> so that was weird. Now, next gen comes on. That's a little more plush and stuff like that, but it still has a sort of traditional Star Trek y colors. When I went to work, you know, here I am years later, you know, 30 something years later or 20 something years later, I'm at Star Trek Voyager at Paramount, right? The first meeting we had, we go into Jerry Taylor's office and it's, it's the interior design is that color. It's that, it's all the, the chairs, it's all plush. It's not like the bridge, but all the furniture, the carpeting, it was all, it was exactly as I dreamed it. I was like, whoa, it was the weirdest verisimilitude. It was so strange. And I actually mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned it to Jerry. I was like, Jerry, I'm getting wicked, wicked um, uh, deja vu. Because I had you this literally dream. had the dream. Yeah. It's she, because time isn't real. It was wild. Yeah. It was, it, and it was, it was, it was really funky, you know? And, um, because and then the other an important moment for you. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty wild. And there, there was the other thing that was kind of strange was, uh, I was watching an episode of Bonanza. I, I used to go take care of my friend's dog, um, when he couldn't be around to let the dog out and use bat, you know, go outside and stuff. And he would leave the TV going for the dog to keep him company. And he, he had like me TV and Bonanza would be on when I go down. And I love Bonanza. It's a great show. It's so much fun, you know. And uh, I was watching one of the old black and white ones where they, they didn't do a lot of exteriors. A lot of the exterior stuff were just, you know, matte uh, set paintings and stuff like that. And I was like, I think this was this is this is a Paramount lot. I was just watching. I was like, this is this is one of the Paramount. This is a Paramount lot. I just knew it instinctively. And sure enough, I looked it up. They shot in the same, like on the same soundstage where the Star Trek stuff was. <laughs> and so I was walking through the same area where like, you know, Ben Cartwright and all those guys were going. And it was a weird, you get these weird instinctive things. And uh, I, I used to dismiss those. And now it's sort of like, well, where do I find the balance between, yeah, that's an authentic supernatural thing. And yeah, you just guessed well, you know, I don't know. There is no guessing. There is only do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Yoda. Because when you get into the guessing, you get into Marxism and nihilism and all the bullshit. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. So, uh, yeah. So more about where you can find you, you, you. All right. Um, you, thank you, you so much. I know you. <laughs> Angry Tiger. So uh, we're just doing some synchronized swimming here. The show with Martin. Ford. You got it. You nailed it. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll put the thing on my nose. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to play the clip at some point. Oh man. Regard is a uh, master of chaos. Obviously, <laughs> he is a tricky, <laughs> tricky dude. Uh, I am a cult priestess at occultpriestess.com. I do have the privilege of being a rock fan creator. And also have a YouTube, a bit shoot, a rumble, and all that good stuff. So whatever you prefer, I prefer you come on over to Rockfin. You subscribe. You get all these awesome people for one price. And so, uh, sorry, Angry Tiger. That's my thing. <laughs> and I uh, just want to thank Angry Tiger, don't we? Isn't he a great guy? Let's give him a yeah. round of applause. Yeah, he is. He is the man. Big round of applause. And what a great guy. And um, yeah, super, super cool guy. So yeah, and uh, and and his economic.
power. <laughs> His economic knowledge is great. And, um, you know, and he doesn't uh, acknowledge it enough, I think. It's just remarkable. He's awesome. We're working on him, aren't we, as a community? Giving yeah. him love and what he needs and the support. So we're going to do his fabulous outro. If you want to stick around for a minute, Guard, that'd be great. And we'll see you on the flip side, kids. You want, you have a sign-off, Guard? Uh, I would do the be seeing you from the prisoner, but it means doing the Illuminati thing. So I'll just say be seeing you. Yeah, right. Your time is your most valuable commodity. Cherish it and use it wisely until we meet again.